God has given us a theme for this year and we are calling it the new levels. God spoke to us on the New Year's night through the word uh, Joshua 1.9 Be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For I will be with you wherever you go. And I believe that God has a word for us this morning. John 1 verse 1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses His Word to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. What is the Word of God? It is the sword that pierces in our heart. It is a light that shines. It is a mirror that reveals God to us. It is a path to purity. It is a meal that nourishes our heart. A seed that reproduces. What is the Word of God? It is a fire that consumes us. It is a defense against every temptation. What is the Word of God? It is the source of our faith. What is the Word of God? It is the truth that lives forever. Today, we open the living Word of God. This Word of God never expires. And this is the only book of books where the author has always been present and will always be present he will never leave us nor forsake us for he is the same God and he wrote this book and he wants to speak to us today he's the same yesterday today and forevermore in Jesus name father I pray that you will speak to us this morning as we are meditating on this title, New Levels in God's Word, and as I teach on how to master the art of studying the Bible, I pray that it will speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you who are joining today, and you might have missed the sermon last week, we are in the middle of a series of teachings and one of the best things for us to do in the beginning of the year is to actually make a commitment to study God's Word. Studying God's Word is different from reading God's Word. You can read newspaper, but when it comes to the Bible, we are not just skipping through chapters and just making uh, numbers you know, uh, of, of how many books and chapters we have read. More than that, it is we have to intake the word of God, amen? And God's word is uh, more than able to touch our lives. So it is such an important habit that we all need to start at the beginning of the year. So I have started this year, amen Ian, I have started this year with this uh, teaching, how to study God's word. In other words, going into new levels in God's word. Last Sunday, I spoke part one of the message 
message and today we are going to look at how to master the art of studying God's word and we're going to look at it practically uh, today and I hope it will be uh, a great help for many of you who are gathered here this morning. Many parts of the world it is really hard to uh, actually get a physical Bible. Uh, and, I, and I know we live in a digital world. I have a physical copy. And my notes are in my iPad. Uh, many of us carry our Bibles on our mobile phones. So we slip in, we slip out in a church. Uh, in, in our context, you know, we have, you know, a, a lot of colorful Bibles. We have the, the big ones. Then we have the slim ones. Uh, all of a sudden, you get bored with the brown leather. So you will buy a black leather. Then you want colorful, uh, you know, uh, markers inside. So you'll order another one. Then there is the teen version, the youth version, then the youth girls version, teens boys version, then the remix version. There are so many options here in our nation where we can afford to buy. But there are nations in the world where it's illegal to own a Bible. And they are desperate to look for a physical copy. And those days are not too far and don't get me wrong, don't think I am threatening you into carrying a physical copy. But there are days coming when we cannot pick this up and you will long for it. So try your best to use this physical. There is no power in, in the leather or anything but there is power in the one who wrote this and the word that comes out of this. And of course God can speak through the digital Bible also. But, but there is something more uh, personal when you physically hold it. It's like when your children, you know, travel and they go to far places, they speak to you over video call. And then they come for holiday and then they sit in the room and then they video call you in your own house. Um, as parents, how would you react? How will you react? <laughs> Let me break that mobile phone first, right? Uh, there is no, you want the personal connection, right? You, you, you don't want it to be uh, understandable when it's far, but, but, but God's presence is with us. He's not far from us. He's with us. Many people have gone through sacrifices, death even, to print this thing that we are carrying so beautifully in different versions and and it's important that we that we um, you know have reverence towards that and also uh, use it as much as possible in other countries they're desperate to find one um, uh, there is there is Bible almost everywhere here um, if you go to the country of uh, America you, any hotel you stay you'll find a Bible in a drawer like the Gideons have put a Bible in every single drawer, there's a coffee table, you'll, you'll see Bibles. Uh, in Christian homes, it's just taken for granted. And, and I just really want to uh, emphasize, uh, you know, uh, I, I am a millennial, uh, but, but when it comes to God's Word, I am old school, but old school is the best school. Okay, only Uncle Emil said amen <laughs> to that. But it is actually, some things are good to physically experience. Amen. Um, so spending a couple of weeks, we have been learning how to study the Bible. Um, here's the first thing I want to put it out to us. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. All the, everything that is important will come on the screen and you can write these things down. 
Bible is meant to transform us, not just inform us. This is not just an information book. This is a transformation, living word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Many of us, we read God's word just for the sake of knowledge and we want to overplay, overpower. Um, you know, I don't know if you've grown up in traditional uh, churches where the pastor, uh, you know, calls out a verse and somebody would read it, right? I, I, I don't do that just to avoid um, certain <laughs> things and I just read it myself. But uh, many churches, it's still done and you see there is a competition of about five people starting to read and everybody is like, okay, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? And they won't even give up. They want to keep reading until somebody backs off. Right? It's like a Bible battle going on. And we would have played games like, you know, like uh, who can, uh, who knows the content, you know, who can quickly open the, uh, the verse or the Bible and uh, things like that. But more than that, more than that, Bible is not just to fill our heads with knowledge. Bible is actually, God's word is actually given to us to transform our heart, to transform our heart. If what we read is not transforming us, there is a problem. If what we read, we are not able to exhibit to others, there is a problem. Pastor Rick Warren, he says this, and he beautifully says this, the Bible should give us a bigger heart, not a bigger head. <laughs> are, you, are you understanding this? The Bible should give us a bigger heart, not a bigger head. James 1.22 reemphasizes this point. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. If you just listen to God's word and if you're not obeying, you're deceiving yourself through your disobedience. But rather what we do is do what it says. Turn to the person sitting next to you, look at them and tell them, God is going to transform your life through His Word. Ungal Valkei Andavar Matruvar Nsulunga. All right. If you didn't know Tamil, that's okay. You can. Last week, I gave you five points on how to study the Bible. Number one, choose a translation you understand. Number two, choose a time, choose a place, and a plan to study. Number three, understand the context. You can't just, you know, we don't do the lucky dip method. Lord, give me a word today. And we open it and then we put our finger and we get a verse and we become satisfied. No, we don't do that. We've got to understand. If you just pick a verse out of nowhere, we saw from Ezekiel 4.12, they baked barley cakes and they dipped it in human dung and they ate it. There's no context to it and you just... Take that verse and that verse is not going to be helpful. We don't do the lucky dip method, but rather we sit, we learn God's word, we understand the context. The fourth thing I said was read slowly and ask questions. And number five, pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. Today I want to dwell a little bit more on, you know, uh, point four and point five. How to read God's word how to ask questions through God's word that you can have answers to apply into your life. 
When I talked about how to understand the context, I gave you three questions that you need to ask. Who wrote it? To whom it was written? What is the purpose of this book? I also gave you a method called the SPEC method, right? SPEC method. Is when you read a passage, here are five things you can ask. Is there a sin in this passage that I need to avoid? Is there a promise that I can claim? Is there a command that I need to obey? And is there, um, what's E? Oh, example that I should follow? Is there a command I need to obey? And is there, uh, how can I know God through this? Spec, S-P-E-C-K. Sin, promise, example, command, know God. Today I want to quickly give you five different ways you can approach when you're about to start reading the Bible. Now you might have read the Bible many times before, but have an organized way of reading the Bible. And if you are choosing to do that this year, I want to give you five important approaches that you can take. And I'm going to go through this quickly so that we can dive into uh, how to meditate God's Word. You can start with the book of the Bible. Feel free to start maybe from God's story. How did God create everything? Starting from Genesis, Exodus. But don't give up when you come to Leviticus and Numbers. I know it's a little tough, but push through. All right? Um, so you can, you can pick from any book of the Bible. Uh, uh, or if you want to go into, if you're deciding, saying, I want to understand Jesus more. That's, that's what I want to do. Uh, right? You can start from the Gospel of John. Gospel of John gives you a foundational aspects of who Jesus is. And then you can read all the other Gospels. If you want practical wisdom, go into Proverbs. Go into book of James. It gives you practical wisdom. If you're hurting, if you want comfort, if you want a devotion, a heart of worship, go into Psalms. If you don't want anything light, you want something deep and heavy and you want to understand some, you know, the theology of grace. I want to understand what redemption is, what salvation is, you know, what, um, uh, what some of the theological doctrinal aspects of the uh, Bible is. You can start with the book of Romans. Romans covers all the foundational biblical doctrines that we follow as a church and through God's word. So that's number one. You can start with a book of the Bible and whatever that season that you are in, you can do that. And here's number two. You can study up about a person in the Bible. Maybe you can pick a character. You can pick a character. Could be Ruth, it could be Elijah, it could be Peter, or it could be Esther. You can pick any character in the Bible, go to those respective books, and you can read through that. Here's a third approach you can take. You can study about a topic from the Bible. You can say, I want to learn about faith this month. And there are so many passages in the Bible about faith or books in the Bible about faith that you can actually read. Or maybe you want to know more about grace. You grew up in a very legalistic or orthodox uh, 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 set, uh, set of uh, traditions and maybe you're understanding the gospel of grace now and wanting to know, okay, how does grace apply to me in my life? You can start with the book of Galatians. Galatians is a good book to start and, and that's, that's really, really helpful. So you can study as a topic. And here's number four. You can do a daily devotion. Now here's the danger with daily devotions. Daily devotions, uh, sometimes we use it uh, written by other people, right? So they have read the book, they have meditated and they have written their thoughts, okay? And of course, it is helpful to us but also make sure that you are going to the Bible with that passage. 
So if you take a devotion, one of the most famous book is called My, you know, um, My Utmost, which is by Oswald, um, Oswald Chambers. And, and he has written this devotion, uh, one of the most sold devotional books across uh, the world. Uh, and he'll beautifully start with a passage and he has written down how that passage speaks to him. But what you do is when you read a devotion, make sure you go, you take the text, but then you go to the Bible and read it from the Bible yourself. And allow that to speak to you. And plus as an add-on, read this devotional plan also. So it helps you. From the month of February, uh, we are going to start devotional plans for the entire church. As many of you might be already using, there is a Bible app called the YouVersion Bible app. And there's a lot of plans there. King City Church has actually, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uploaded two plans in which one has uh, over two million completions. All right, two million completions. One of our plans called Renew, Rebuild, Restore has two million completions, which means four million people had actually signed up in which half of the people have completed. And there's also another plan uh, that we recently uploaded uh, for our 15 days of, of prayer. But there are more than 54,000 plans in that app. Thank God for technology, it's great. Now, what you can do, uh, and what we are going to do as a church is that every end of every month, we will send a link for you to join into that, and together, as one church, we can follow one devotion as a church. And it's helpful, and, and the app will encourage you. You can read and you can respond in the app itself, where you can type, how did God speak to you? Or if you have a prayer request, you can put it there, and everybody in the church can pray for you. So we can use such tools that will help you also. And here's number five. Uh, you can read through the whole Bible. You can have a plan. There is a plan called Bible in One Year. And uh, this is a plan by a pastor, uh, um, a reverend called Nikki Gumbel. And he has put together a beautiful plan that you can read the entire Bible in one year. Now, I would really encourage you to, um, if you're not a person who is consistent, generally, I would ask you to avoid that. <laughs> because starting to choose to read the entire Bible through one year is not going to bring consistency. We can't practice consistency through that. Because you need small victories before you go for a big one. So I would encourage you to choose small, you know, go book by book. Be consistent in that first. And maybe give this year for you to develop consistency and then jump into the bed. Because many, many of us, we say, every year we start, I'm going to read through the entire Bible. Right? Don't look at me as if you have no idea what I'm talking about. We all say, and then we buy, you know, by mid-Jan mid or even end of Jan, we, we, we fail and we, we give up. So don't set such a big goal. Just say, hey, I'm going to finish one book this month. I'm going to look at this. So be consistent in small victories so that it leads you to the big one. But if you've already practiced and you're very consistent and you're able to do it, you can go for it, all right? So what are the five different approaches to the Bible? Number one, start with the book of the Bible. Two, you can study a person in the Bible. Three, you can study a topic in the Bible. Four, do a daily devotion or a version Bible plan. Number five, you can read the whole 
Bible. All right, now let's go a little deeper. I gave you last week two points when it comes to studying God's Bible, which is read slowly and ask questions and pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. Imagine right now you are in your Bible reading corner in your house. Have you set up your Bible reading corner in your house? You have, have a dedicated space, yes? If you haven't done it, go for it, all right? Imagine you are there with your Bible and your cup of coffee. This is your Monday morning. And we are now going to practically try of how to do a Bible reading devotion and how to ask questions. And I'm going to use... And we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to you know, go through an entire book in the Bible today to help you practice. Is that okay? An entire book, is that fine? An entire book in the Bible, it's fine? Yeah? An entire book? You're okay with that? You have time? You don't want to go home? Now they're like, oh, oh, no, no, Pastor, no, actually, no, no, no. We're going to choose the book of Philemon. There's only one chapter in it. <laughs> All right. Now when you go deeper, what is the first thing? Now we have chosen the book, right? Book of Philemon. Who wrote it? To whom it was written? What is the purpose? First we need to understand that. Question number one. Who wrote the book of Philemon? Paul, very good Shaban. Here's the tricky question. To who it was written? Be careful when you answer it. It's a very tricky question. To whom was it written? Philemon. Philemon. Very good. <laughs> some of you are like, Pastor said it's tricky. Oh, you, you. What, what should I say? Some of you thought for the first time, who wrote the book of Philemon? Obviously Philemon, Pastor. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was Paul. And Paul wrote it too. Now, why did it Paul write, just take out of all the epistles he's written, he just, he just took one chapter to write to this guy called Philemon. So we need to understand who this Philemon is. What is the purpose? Now, who is Philemon? Philemon is actually one of the successful businessmen during that time. He had many trades, many businesses, and he had many people working for him. Now, this man was actually led to Christ by Paul himself. Paul led Philemon to Christ, and Paul gave him an opportunity to lead a small group of people in his house. We today do that. We call it the life group. So Philemon was actually a life group leader. And Philemon was led to Christ by Paul and he is leading a group of people in his home like a church and they come together, they pray together, they sing songs together, they break bread together. But on the other days, he is a very, very busy business man. He has a lot of people working for him. One such person was Onesimus. Everybody say Onesimus. Onesimus was one of Philemon's employee. Now in the Bible times, it says that Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. Now you've got to understand during the Bible times, slavery was an expression of employment structure. 
Some came into slavery voluntarily because that's the only way they will get a job and they will have money and they will have, you know, a, a, a way to take care of their family. So there was a slavery system, but it was kind of an employment system. And of course, we don't encourage slavery and the Bible does not encourage slavery because in fact, the Bible talks opposite to that and we are going to find very soon of what Paul writes to Philemon about it. But this was the system. Now, Onesimus, being an employee of Philemon, one day decides to steal from Philemon and runs away. He just runs away. And when he ran away, he decided to escape to the city of Rome. Now, while he escaped to the city of Rome, Philemon, uh, sorry, Paul was in the city of Rome and he meets Paul. And Paul leads Onesimus to Jesus. Now, he was a thief, a slave, a runaway, a getaway. Now, Paul led him to Jesus and Paul is asking, what are you doing in Rome, man? And Onesimus is saying, well, there is this guy called Philemon. I stole from him and I ran away. I feel extremely bad now because I have accepted Jesus Christ and I know that I'm a sinner. I don't know what to do now. And Paul is like, you stole from Philemon? I know Philemon. I led him to Jesus too. But you need to go back to him. Because once he got saved and he started serving with Paul, he was very helpful in ministry with Paul. But Paul realized that there is some reconciliation that needs to happen in Onesimus' life. And also, there is an unforgiving boss who has not yet forgiven Onesimus and he is leading the church. That is not a healthy leadership. Paul realizes this and he says, you need to go back. And now... Paul is writing a letter to Philemon saying, I am sending someone back to you. You might not like him. But listen to me for what I am about to say. This is the context of Philemon. I was hoping in 9 a.m. they are all nice people. When I ended that, no, they all clapped for me. So, such bad people. All the hard work and homework I put in to teach you people, not even one single clap. Enough. Thank you. I asked for it. Don't give overdose clap now. Okay, go with me to Philemon verse 12. We're going to read from there. Now you understood the context, yeah? You all know what's going on in this story. Pastor, where did you get all this from? Buy a study Bible. Simple. Okay? From verse 12, Paul is writing, I am sending... Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason that he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Now when I read this couple of verses and if I was Philemon reading this letter from Paul, I would be like, Paul, why are you buttering me? 
right? Sounds like Paul is putting ice for Philemon. <laughs> but that's not what Paul is doing because there is something transformative that has happened in Onesimus' life and also something transformative that needs to happen in Philemon's life. There is a sinner and there's also somebody who needs to forgive and carrying unforgiveness, he is also a sinner. So Paul is writing this. He's saying, you are going to have him back this time, but you are going to have him back forever. Are you ready for verse 16? This is a mind-blowing verse. Stay in the context. You've got to think through this in the context. Philemon is a boss. Paul is a spiritual father for Philemon. Onesimus is this employee who stole from him. And during slavery time, punishments were really high. And Paul dares to rise, write verse 16. Paul says in verse 16, He will come back to you no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Philemon would be like, uh, are you joking? As a dear brother, a master would not even let the slave sit on a table and have a meal. Here is Wanzimus, not just a slave, but a slave who betrayed the master. A slave who betrayed the master. And now he is not coming back as a even for him to re-employ, to be re-employed is a very slim chance. Even for him to come back as a slave is a very slim chance. Very slim chance. 0.1%. Very slim. But Paul is saying, you need to take him back, not just as a slave, but with an upgrade. As your brother. As your brother. Can you think about this? Imagine you are reading God's word like this on a Monday morning. Ah, mind blown. And Paul says, he's very dear to me. But even dearer to you, I know your relationship. Both as a fellow man, as a brother in the Lord. Fast forward verse 18. If one Zimus has done anything wrong or owes anything to you, charge it to me says Paul. I, Paul, I am writing this with my own hand. So this might say, Paul probably used scribe the other times, but this time he's writing it with his own hands. And maybe it was really bad handwriting. That's why he wrote only one chapter. He wrote it with his own hands and he just couldn't go more than one chapter. Just really bad. So those who have bad handwriting, do not be discouraged. For Paul had one. Okay, that is not from the Bible. I just made that up. All right, relax. Don't go to your teacher or your professor and say, Apostle Paul itself had bad handwriting. Don't tell me to improve. Okay, calm down. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Paul is putting himself out here and he's vouching for a sinner who betrayed his master and is saying whatever he owes, whatever he owes, I will pay it back. Does this remind you of someone? 
absolutely. Jesus. And here is the question. There are three characters in this passage. Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon. We can all relate to them. All three of them in different levels. In different levels. Paul took a risk of sending Onesimus. And Paul is writing to the life group leader saying that, hey, this guy who used to work for you, who's also part of your life group, but he has betrayed you, he ran away, but he met Jesus and Jesus transformed his life. Take him back, not just as your slave, but as your brother. Uh, if this happened in today's time, Philemon would have sent a message back to Paul in WhatsApp and he would have said, all sounds great, but I need to check with Pastor Jackin. And he would have sent a message to Pastor Jackin. Hey, Paul is sending this guy. He betrayed me. I don't like him. I don't want him in my life group. I don't even want to employ him. Let him, let him you know, alone come into my house. I don't even know if he's really saved. How do I know that he is saved? A lot of questions going on in Philemon's head. If you and I were in Philemon's place, I'm happy you accepted Jesus, but stay away from me. Right? I'm happy you've got an encounter. I know Paul is vouching for you, but man, I'm hurt too much. Too much hurt. Stay away from me. You know, in the Bible, if you, especially if you use a study Bible, there is a section called cross-reference. You'll see this in the image. There's a middle column. And there's a, there's a cross-reference section where when you're reading a passage and then uh, related to that verse, if there are other relatable verses, they have the section there called cross-reference. Some Bible is in the middle. For some Bibles at the bottom, depends on what style of Bible you use. And as you read this verse, verse 18 and 19 from Philemon, you'll see cross-reference to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Paul is saying, whatever Onesimus owes you, I will pay for it. And Jesus did that. We owe him everything. We, we were sinners. We were the ones who betrayed Jesus. We were the ones who ran away. We still run away because of our selfish desires and, 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 and we still do that. And yet, Jesus says, I will take up your pain I will bore your suffering. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was punished and brought as peace, brought as peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The debt that we owe, Jesus paid it all. Whatever that you needed, he has provided. We are not even worthy to sit at the table of the master. But here we are. We have a communion that is open in front of us. An invitation to sit at the master's table because he paid it all. You thought you, was reading, you were reading Philemon. But no, it connects all the way to communion. You see what happens when you understand context? When you really take time. Now when you read this in a rush or from a calendar or from a bookmark, it's not going to make any sense. When you, when you just read promise words, this, these are things that are not going to talk to you and transform you. But when you take time, 
When you sit with God's word, when you study his word, you see how this is talking to us. It also shows us the story of Good Samaritan. And the story of Good Samaritan says, you know, keep him as long as you, as long as he gets better and he gives him money. And then he says, if you need to keep him more, and if there's more money to be spent, when I come back, I will pay it. And that talks about the second coming of Jesus, where he will come back. And whatever that we might owe, he will set us free. He will set us free. Can this experience be your Bible study time every day? You see how tasteful this is? This is why there's a verse in the Bible that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How can you taste Him and see Him? How can you experience Him? Through His Word. Now as we have read this, I don't know who you are relating to. Maybe you're relating to Paul. Paul who is taking a risk on someone. Paul identifies him as a slave. He's saying to Philemon, Philemon, I'm sending him back to you. I'm in prison in chains for the sake of the gospel. And I'm sending this guy back to you because he is better served with you. And you know him. I'm, and Paul is taking a risk on him. Maybe you are a businessman. Maybe you are a leader. Maybe you are in leadership position. You own your own company or, or, or you are in some level of leadership and maybe somebody, you know, did you wrong. You are maybe like Philemon and somebody did you wrong. And maybe they experienced Jesus, they have experienced a transformation and maybe there is a way of reconciliation and they're coming back to you. And God wants to know, God wants to know where your heart is. Where your heart is, where your heart is, where your heart is. And maybe you are sitting here like Wanzimus who needs forgiveness. Maybe you are the one who betrayed, maybe you are the one who hurt somebody. If you are like Wanzimus, 1 John 1 9 says, if you confess your sins and ask God, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. Maybe if you're like Philemon, you were hurt by somebody, you were betrayed by someone, and you need to forgive them, but it's hard. Maybe it's a friend who talked behind your back. Maybe it's someone that you trusted. Someone you trusted. Or maybe someone that you really know and they are lying to you every day. You know that they are lying. They are lying to you and you lost their trust. Maybe somebody you admired but they took advantage of you. And maybe the Lord is asking, can you forgive? You don't want to. But God is reminding you through the context of Philemon and what Jesus has done for us. And if, we, if Jesus did not forgive us, you and I, this whole thing, church, cannot happen. It's only because he forgave us. Philemon being a master during Jesus' time, he had the right. Now I'm not, this is, this is in the, he had the right to execute Onesimus. Now it makes sense why he ran away. During the time, they could 
execute somebody for such betrayal. Now Philemon is not just any Roman boss, but he is a saved man, follower of Jesus. But at the same time, he needs to be a businessman. Paul is changing the business model of Philemon. Even though in the context he could execute Onesimus, now he's, he cannot, he has to forgive him and take him back as a brother. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Sometimes we want to, we cannot literally execute somebody, but we want to do that in our mind where you just crush them in your head and you you know you put them deep in their heart in your heart and, and then now it is turning into bitterness and when bitterness comes you become a different person and the Lord the Holy Spirit is speaking to each and every one of us if there are some people like that Ephesians 432 says be kind I know it's hard but be kind be compassionate be forgiving just as Christ forgave you. What is God showing you today? Who are you relating to? Let's take a minute. Close your eyes and pray. May the Holy Spirit speak to you. Bible isn't just a means to inform us. It's a book that transforms us. We have a communion that we're going to take part in. And that is because we were once sinners. We owed a debt to God. And God cleared that debt by going on the cross and paying for our sins. May the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. This is what needs to happen during your Bible study time. I just did like a demo for you right now. And, but even though this is a demo, but also in this, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. You can respond. Feel free to respond. Feel free to respond. This is the power of God's Word. You know, I love God's Word. And I also know I need God's Word. I also know my life depends on God's word. You can repeat after me. I love God's word. I need God's word. I depend on God's word. Maybe you're a person who has not experienced Jesus Christ in your life personally. And, and you are listening to this sermon and you're thinking... Pastor, I love what you've been just teaching, but how can I make this my reality? How can I accept Jesus? If you are that person, I would like to lead you in a prayer. And as you pray, just make a decision in your heart to follow Jesus. Pray this after me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I confess that I am a sinner. And I need a savior. Come and become the Lord of my life. 
I give my life into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, the prayer of giving your life to Jesus for the very first time, you've never prayed before, and this is the first time you're praying that prayer, you can quickly raise your right hand and put it back down. If you're praying that for the first time, you can quickly raise your right hand and put it back down. Thank you. Here's a second prayer I want to lead. This is a prayer of commitment for all of us. I don't know what level you are in. Maybe you are the Paul in the story. Maybe you are the one Zimus in the story or maybe you are the Philemon in the story. Whatever it is, I pray that you will carry a forgiving heart and, and also ask for forgiveness and also be the person who boldly speaks and advocates reconciliation like Paul. I want to lead you in a prayer, but all of us, let's commit that we will study God's word. Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I commit my life to dig deeper in God's word. I will not just read through it, I will study it. For your word transforms my life. I love your word. I need your word. I depend on your word. Your word sustains my life. And I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.